We're so glad that you're with us today. We welcome you, and we welcome those at our Smyrna campus. We're so glad you're with us today. And also, anybody joining us online, we're glad that you've connected with us that way. We are beginning a brand new series today called I Love My Church. And I'm excited about it because I love my church. I really do. And I love sharing with people why I love my church. And that's what we're starting with today. In Matthew 16 and verse 18, Jesus is speaking to Peter after Peter has made what is often called the good confession or the great confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. He says, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Sometimes in some translations it says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus built the church, but the church is under attack today, I think, like never before in my lifetime, even among people who, who say they're Christians. And I wanted us to take a series and really talk about and examine the reasons we should love the church and how we can express that love to God for how much we do love the church. And we're beginning today with the why we love the church. I wanted to start with something that you can help me out with. My penmanship on a whiteboard is not great, but I'm going to do the best I can. I want you to name for me some places you hate to go that you just don't like to go to out loud. The dentist. Makia Jenkins won't like that. She's a dentist here at our church. She's opening up a new office here in Antioch. I would encourage you to check her out. You might like going to the dentist when you see Makia. All right. What else? DMV. I love it. The DMV. The Department of Motor Vehicles. You know the old joke about the sloth working there from the movie, right? It can take a while when you're in line at the DMV. All right, somebody said something else. I've never had to go to the IRS, but that would be a tough one, all right? They come find me usually, but uh, okay. IRS. Uh, yeah, all right. I, I actually, I asked JW down at the Smyrna campus. We want you guys to participate too. He sent me uh, some answers from the, the Smyrna campus. DMV was one of them. I-24 during rush hour was one, okay? All right. Uh, and rush hour now is about three hours, not one. Uh, and they also said Chuck E. Cheese. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, Chuck E. Cheese. You've heard that song, Chuck E. Cheese Hell, right? It's, uh, a lot of parents can relate to that one. Okay. Anybody another one? What? I didn't hear. A mechanic. Yeah, you never know if you can trust a mechanic sometimes unless you've got one personally that you know. All right. All right, that, that's enough for now. You get the idea, right? There are places... Uh, one of them put here, Court, uh, from Smyrna. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with them, but we'll be praying for you. Okay. <laughs> there are those places that you don't like to go, right? And, and I have places that, for me, are a lot of those same places. I just dread if I know I've got to go to those places. But for some people, they would put church on that list. For more and more people in our country today, in our world today, they would say church is a place they just don't want to go. They dread going. Uh, some of spouses here today might be saying, I was drugged here against my will. It might be some of your kids that you kind of had to drag here against their will to get them to church. It's not a place they look forward to coming. And, and I want us to, to think through why it shouldn't be that way. I want us to examine 
what it looks like to intentionally love the church, the church that you are connected to, that you belong to. For us, if you live here in this area, you're part of this family, it's Lakeshore Christian Church, that is your church. And so I want us to talk about what it looks like to intentionally love the church, to be in community with one another, the way God intended it to be. And that's what this whole series is about. We begin with why today, but over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at love in, in community, love in serving, love in giving, and love in sharing our faith, and love in celebrating big life moments. I love that commercial with Peyton Manning and uh, uh, where he talks about how we ought to celebrate big life. It's for insurance, but it's still, uh, I think it's a good reminder. We need to celebrate those big life moments like we did up here with baby dedications, big life moments, right? And there are other big life moments there. I had a wedding yesterday from a part of, with a part of our church family uh, being involved in the wedding. And it was a big life moment that we celebrate together as the church. Uh, we have some grandparents here, proud grandparents again, a baby born on Friday. And they're here in town celebrating uh, that birth of that new baby. Big life moments. The baptisms that you saw in the video, big life moments, none bigger than that. Holidays this week is, of course, the Thanksgiving celebration and then Christmas. And as a church family, we celebrate those things together. You see, being part of a church family should be something you get excited about, something you look forward to. The church gathering should be a place you want to be a part of. You want to be there. You want to, to celebrate things with your family. But it's not just the celebrations either. It's the challenges of life that we do together too. It's facing the illnesses when you get the diagnosis, but doing it together with your family. It's facing the loss of a loved one and the grief that you're feeling, but you've got a family around you. It's facing surgeries and challenges and families and difficulties you're trying to work through and, and get, hold your marriage together. It's doing it together as a family. You see, it's not just the good things. It's also the hard things that we need each other to go through life with and to, to make it through the way God wants us to with victory on the other side. That's one of the reasons he gave us the church family. So today I want to share a few. I sent out an email early in the week asking you to tell me, first of all, where you're from originally. And I got lots, I got lots of responses, over, over 100 responses. Thank you for doing that. Uh, more than that, I think, a couple of hundred responses. And, and there were some, some good common themes in there. Now, first of all, I'll, I'll get to where you're from in a little bit. But the other one was, name one thing you love about Lakeshore. And a lot of you said what I hoped you would say. It's hard to pick just one, right? Uh, that, I wanted to hear that because for me, if I had to just pick one, it was tough to just pick one. But there were some common themes that were at the top of everybody's list. And, and they were the same ones I put at the top of my list. So it matched with what I already prepared to do in the sermon today, which is good. I didn't want to rewrite the sermon. Uh, I was really glad it all matched up well. So I want to talk about some of those things that you said that I would say, if somebody asked me why I love this church, here are some of the things I would say. The first one is the love of this church. The love of this church. This church loves well. I don't mean we always get it right. I don't mean we always, everybody feels it the way we want them to. That's not what I mean. Uh, they're, they're always, there's always room for improvement. But, but this church loves well. Uh, in John 13, in verse 34 and 35, Jesus is talking about the commandments he wants us to follow. And he says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
And he adds this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you do what? Love one another. The identifying mark of the church should be how we love one another. Now, he's not saying we shouldn't love other people outside the church either. Of course we should. But he's saying within the family of the church, there should be this this predominant way we do things and the way we act and the way we speak, the way we treat each other. It should all be rooted in how much we love each other. Doesn't mean we're always going to agree. Doesn't mean we're always going to like everything that's happening. But we still love each other. And that's how the world is going to know, it's going to, understand that we really are following Jesus. It won't be by our protest. It won't be by our yelling and screaming against the things we don't like in this world. It won't be about how we we are just so doctrinally correct and legalistic about it. How will they know we're following Jesus? By the way, we love one another. Now, those other things we ought to deal with, but, but the identifying mark of the church should be how we love one another. Paul wrote in Galatians 3, beginning in verse 26, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So for all children of God, it means we all have the same father, which means we're all what? Brother, we're family. We're family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And like any family, there's friction and there's challenges and there's there's uh, obstacles to overcome, but we're family, and in family, he says, all right, we're all children of God through faith. He says, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And he says this in verse 28, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, neither male or female, for you're all, what, one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are all heirs of the promise God gave to Abraham to bless the world through his line and the sending of his son, Jesus, the Messiah, to save us and restore us in a right relationship with him. We all have the same father. He loves us all the same in the way he gave Jesus for every one of us. So how should we love each other? The way Jesus loves us. And the way Jesus loves us is that I don't, he doesn't just love the ones that are this way or the ones that are that way or the ones that look like this or the ones that have this much money or the ones that, that are this nationality or this skin tone. He loves everybody equally in the giving of his son, Jesus. And this church loves like Jesus. I love it. When I ask to name the places you're from, I, I've said this before. I, I'm just amazed by this. All the different places we have that people are from that are part of our Lakeshore family. First, I asked, uh, I, I went through the list of those that responded, and I looked at all the different states here in the United States that, that you told me you were from. Here, here's a partial list. Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New York, New Jersey, uh, Missouri, <laughs> Minnesota, Wisconsin, Wyoming, Colorado, Texas, Kansas, Arizona, California, and the great state of Georgia. <laughs> Among others, and not everybody responded, right? Uh, and... The U.S. territory of Puerto Rico as well. Uh, and I love that. I mean, we got Yankees and Southerners loving each other. Isn't that amazing? That we can do that in the church. That's what the love of God can do. We can cross those barriers, man. Just let down the walls and love each other. And then I asked for the other list was uh, 
other countries of origin that we have here in our church family. And I got a great response on that. I know not everybody responded, but here's a partial list of those different countries we have represented here. Sudan, uh, Colombia, Mexico, Laos, Trinidad and Tobago, Nigeria, Cameroon, Germany, England, India, Iran, Ecuador, Taiwan, China, Guyana, and the Philippines. And that's not the whole list. Is that amazing? We have over 30 states out of the 50 in the United States, and we have about 20 countries of origin outside this country that are represented in this church family. And, and I don't know all of them because I didn't get a response from everybody. But, but you see, that's, that's the example the church is supposed to set to the world. And what saddens me is that on this Sunday morning, like so many Sunday mornings, this is one of the most segregated times in our country when people go to their churches to worship. Because we divided up into black churches and white churches and Hispanic churches and Asian churches and all these different separations that we brought to the family of God. And God said we're all supposed to be one in Christ. Don't you think the world would be a better place if all of our churches learned to love like this? Learned to welcome people like this church welcomes people. Again, we're not perfect at it. We don't always get it right. But friends, this is a little glimpse of heaven right here in this room right now I love how this church loves one another but we have to be conscious of the fact that it doesn't just happen without us making it an intentional thing you see love like this is a choice you don't always feel like it it's not always going to be natural every moment of your life to love like this it's a choice you have to make every day I love what he said in 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3. He said, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And he adds this, And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. So we have to work at this all the time. We have to keep getting better at this all the time. Because this is how we're going to impact our world more powerfully than by anything else that we do. It's by how we love one another. That's why it's so important to be connected and involved in a church family so that you can be fulfilling that command to love one another in the church. You can't do that by staying disconnected from the church. You have to be connected and involved and, and do life together as a church to be able to love each other the way the Bible teaches that we are to love one another in the church. So the first thing I would say, and that the first thing at the top of the list of all the emails I got was, what I love most about Lakeshore is how welcome everybody is and how we love everybody. And friends, nothing can make me happier as a pastor than to hear that that's the number one thing on that list. But there was something else on the list that I love too. Especially those of you that specifically said, we love our pastor. <laughs> Pastors need to hear that sometimes. They do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But here's what I want you to know. It wasn't just the pastor. It was the other staff and volunteers that serve here at Lakeshore, all of the leadership of the church. I am honored to serve on the elder team with the other elders here at Lakeshore because I know the heart of these men. I know how they've sacrificed for years for the good of this church family. I know they have the vision they have for reaching the lost 
and their willingness to do some of Pastor Andy's crazy ideas to reach lost people, but they've been willing to step out and try it in faith and see what God would do. And, and not every church has leadership like that. I want you to know that. That's a rare commodity. And we need to be grateful to the leaders that we have here at Lakeshore. In 1 Peter 5, beginning with verse 1, there's some instructions here to the elders. He says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. I want you to know something, that part of the identifying mark of how we love each other is the unity we have in the body of Christ. And it starts with the leadership and it goes down from there. We have leaders, our elders and our other staff members that are committed to working together in love and unity. I could tell you, if you attended some of the elders' meetings, you might think we don't always love each other because we disagree and we, we, we debate and we work through things. But at the end of the day, when we make a decision, there's absolute unity among the leadership of the church. And we support each other and... These elders support you, the church family. And then we have a staff that I just love. We had, uh, last week, we had a group from Milligan College here visiting, and they spent the weekend with our staff learning from, like, if they were interested in doing children's ministries, they spent time with our children's ministry uh, leaders. If they were uh, doing youth, uh, youth ministry, whatever it was, they would spend time with that staff with Greg and, other, and JW in the music ministry. They spent time with our staff. And you know what? We had kind of a, 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 a thing at the end where we asked them to give us feedback. What stood out to you? You know what the number one thing was? How the staff loved each other and loved the church. Our staff, in every position we have, they love the Lord. They love their families. They love each other on the staff. And they love this church family. And that's why they serve so willingly as the staff here at this church. But it wasn't just the staff, either the paid staff. It was the volunteer leaders that we had, too. They were so impressed with the volunteer leadership. Those that were serving without being paid staff, that were serving regularly, consistently here at the church. Uh, those college young people said to me, you have amazing volunteers at this church. It's obvious they love what they're doing. So quit your complaining. No, they saw how genuine it was. And for college people to be able to see that, you can't fake that. It's, this is real. And they saw the real staff, the real volunteers, and they saw the love that's here. And that, again, is a rare commodity even in the church, to have that kind of love and unity, uh, willingness to sacrifice for one another, from the elders all the way down to all of our volunteers. That's why he was able to say in Hebrews 13 to the church, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. In other words, he's saying support your leadership in the church. Give them encouragement. Build them up. Thank them for what they do. From the paid staff all the way through all of our volunteers, make sure they know how appreciated they are because they love you. 
and they're serving you. And they could be a lot of other places doing a lot of other things, but they give their time and their resources and their giftedness to the service of God's church here in this place. And we need to give them our love and our support in return. Let's thank our staff and our volunteers right now. The third thing that stood out on this list and the emails I got back and it really stands out to me, I I wanted to use uh, all L's. You know how I like alliteration? And this is probably not grammatically the best way to say this, but I said the learning of the church, okay? And what I mean by that is what's being taught and learned here, okay? One of the things that uh, is so important in our culture today is that there be some place where you can go and know you're going to hear the truth about things. Because there's so many people out there spinning things and, and shading things and, and just outright lying about things. And where do you go? Where are you going to hear and know the truth? Well, I believe the truth is found in God's Word. The whole leadership here at Lakeshore believes that God's Word is true and right. This is a church that is committed to being a teaching church and not teaching our agenda, not teaching our opinions, but teaching the truth of God's Word. So from the pulpit and from the classrooms and the small groups and the homes, our goal is to always make sure if you are involved and if you are being taught, you are going to be taught the truth of God's Word. And we're never going to apologize for it, but we're going to also do it with the attitude of love for the people that are being taught. See, we are not going to compromise the truth, but we're also not going to compromise loving everybody, even when they disagree with us. We're going to do both of those things at the same time. And so in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul says to Timothy, All Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you're going to be equipped to do all the good stuff God wants you to do with your life, you need to be taught, and you need to be taught the truth. And the truth is found in Scripture because it's all God-breathed. It comes from the very mouth of God Himself. It is the inspired Word of God. And at Lakeshore, we believe the Bible from beginning to end is the inspired Word of God. It is the truth, and it will be taught consistently in this place. So if you're seeking the truth, if you want to know what God says about how to live your life, you need to have a place to come where you're going to hear that. And Lakeshore is one of those places. It's not the only one, but it is one. And I'm thankful that we have a church where the teaching of this church is going to be a commitment to the truth of God's word. That's important because if our lives are going to If we're going to be disciples, it means we're supposed to grow up to be like Jesus. And the only way to grow up to be like Jesus is to be taught the truth about Jesus and what Jesus taught. In Romans 12, 2, he tells us this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. You see, if our lives are going to change and be transformed, it's going to start where? In our minds and the teaching and the beliefs that we have that we form. So it says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, perfect will. If you believe God's will for you is best, then how are you going to determine God's will? You know how? By being taught the truth of God's Word. That's how you know what God's will is. You don't know God's will by asking your friends over lunch what they think about what you ought to do. Some of them may be godly and know God's Word. Some of them may not have a clue what God's Word says. Don't place your life decisions on those things. 
If you want to know the truth about those things, you find it in the Word of God. You go there. And when you learn those things, it changes how you think about those things, which changes how you live life in relation to those things. Your life is changed by the teaching of the truth of God's Word. It's transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And this is a church where you're going to be taught the truth of God's Word. And I'm thankful for that. And I love that about our church. Here's what he said in John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus was speaking to the Jews who believed in him. And he said, if you hold to my teaching, all right, you got to learn what that is. You got to know what that is. You are really my disciples, he says. That's, that's, those are the only ones that are really his disciples. He says, then you will know the truth and the truth will do what for you? Set you free. You want to be set free to live the way God wants you to? It's based on knowing the truth. And you know the truth by the teaching that you find in the word of God. And this is a place where you come to hear and learn and be taught to be transformed by the truth. I want to close with one more thing. There's a whole list of things I could have added to it, but you wouldn't sit here that long. That's one thing you love about the church. We try to get you out on time. I did get that, too, on the list, by the way. <laughs> and I got your name, too. So. so. <clears throat> The fourth thing is the legacy of the church. Legacy is something that's, I think as I've gotten older, it's become more and more important to me. What are we going to leave behind after we're gone? What difference is our life going to have made when we're no longer here? Have we given our time and our resources and our energy to the things that really matter most? Here's what I saw. I saw this meme recently on Facebook. I loved it. I don't think anybody ever on their deathbed said, boy, I wish I had spent more time arguing with strangers on Facebook about politics. <laughs> right? Did, did you let a lot of your time get consumed with things that really don't matter the most? Here's what I know. What you invest in the work of the kingdom is never wasted. And it's always valuable. And always makes an impact that lasts for eternity. Even the little things. Because all those little things added up that all of us are doing in the work of the kingdom. They all make it possible for the kingdom to advance. And for more and more people to know Jesus. And to be with us in eternity in that place that God has prepared for us. You don't waste anything you invest in the life of the church. In the work of the church. In the legacy of the church. God consistently taught that concept in Scripture all the way back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 4. He's teaching the people how to live when they're in the land of promise that He's blessed them with and they, they start having the blessings of God in their lives. He says he's, He gives them a warning about being careful about what they do when they're enjoying God's blessings. Here's what He says. Be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children. And to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and, may and they may teach them to their children. He says, my people are supposed to advance my cause and my teaching and my work to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. You see, what we're doing here now lays the groundwork and the foundation 
for what the future is going to be for our children and our grandchildren and the generations coming behind them. Never underestimate the little things that we're doing right now and the long-term significant eternal impact that they have for those that are coming behind us. The example that we set, the words that we say, the, the priority we gave to the church and supporting the work of the church. When our children see that and our grandchildren see that, that gets into their hearts, that gets into their minds, and they are more likely to make that a priority for their lives too. And even generations we don't know yet that aren't here yet will be able to say, I'm so thankful for Lakeshore Christian Church, for those pioneers that came before us that made sure the gospel was being taught, that made sure they had programs for these young people coming up to, to establish them in their walk in the Lord, to, to make sure that, that God's word was truthfully uh, represented by the lives of the people there. They're going to thank God for the legacy of this church, and you are, you are part of that legacy. What you're doing or not doing right now, that's a part of that legacy that we leave for those generations coming behind us. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 1, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And these things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to do what? Teach others. He says, keep pouring into the ones coming behind you. Keep pouring into the ones coming behind you. And make sure they're equipped to be able to teach the ones coming behind them. And then they're equipped to teach the ones coming behind them. Someone has said this years ago. The church is always one generation away from extinction. All we have to do is miss one generation. And the church will not have a presence anymore in the world. And you think the culture is challenging now? You take the church out of it. And see what it would be like for our grandchildren and the generations coming behind them. Friends, this is vitally important. The work in the life of the church is the most important thing on this temporary world that anybody can be a part of. Far more important than getting your child the education you think they ought to have in school. Far more important than making sure they get the job to make the money you want them to make, to live in the house you want them to live in, and drive the kind of car you want them to drive. Passing on the faith that you have in Christ is the highest priority in life. We need to make sure that we are giving ourselves to the things that matter most. And the work of the kingdom and the legacy that we live, leave when we're gone is the most important thing we can do. The only thing we're going to take with us into eternity is the legacy that we left, that we established while we were here serving God. That's the only thing we're going to take with us. Our faith, our legacy, what we did in the name of Jesus, that's the only thing that's going to last beyond this world. In Matthew 28, you know the Great Commission, a lot of you, and beginning with verse 18, it says this. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make what? Disciples of all nations. A disciple is a disciplined follower of Jesus, so that's what we're supposed to be busy doing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then, he says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I'm glad he included that last statement you see this job is way bigger than me and it's way bigger than you and sometimes we get overwhelmed and we say oh we just we don't we're not able to impact the way we want to we're not able to have the influence we want to have here's the here's the thing friends it's not up to just us all God is asking us to do is learn what Jesus teaches and then pass that on to others 
to learn it and live by it and pass it on to others to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples till Jesus comes back. And he's with us the whole time. That's the, that's the thing that's most promising to me. He will be working. If we will just be obedient to what he's called us to do, he'll take care of the rest, friends. He will take care of the convicting and the converting, and he'll take care of the transforming power that needs to happen for lives to change. He'll take care of that if we are faithful, doing those daily things that he's called us to do. And then our legacy will be what it was intended to be by God all along. That more people knew Jesus as Lord and Savior because we were here. Because we obeyed. Because we served. Because we gave. Because we participated in the life of God's church on this earth.